The Lord hears the cry of the Blessed be the Lord. I will bless the Lord at all times. With praise ever in my mouth, let my soul glory in the Lord. Who will hear the cry of the thank you, Lord, for your mercy. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for listening to us in our poverty. We thank you for listening to us in our brokenness. We now ask that you send us the power of your word and let your word be our balm of Gilead. Let your word bring us courage. Let your word bring us comfort. And let a word bring us strength, for we make our prayers through Christ our Lord. Amen. One of the very beautiful things about the power of the parables of Jesus, whether you look at it on a spiritual level or on a literary level, is contradistinction. By contradistinction, Jesus takes two characters and begins to develop them. And as he's developing them, you begin to really see how the two kind of deviate from each other. And that is something very powerful about the parables of Jesus. And those parables become like foundations of types and typology that we can do in theology or even in spirituality. And so what I would like us to do this evening is to take that basic parable of Jesus this evening, the Pharisee and the tax collector, and let us use them now as a typology for types of spirituality. And by spirituality, we don't just mean prayer and prayer life. By spirituality, we mean the totality of our relationship with God. And so from the parable tonight, there can be two types of spiritualities. First is the presumptuous spirituality on one hand, and second is authentic spirituality. So let's take a closer look at the parable and see how Jesus so powerfully characterizes these two types of spirituality. The first is the presumptuous spirituality as characterized by the Pharisee. On so many levels, that's a very problematic kind of spirituality. Number one, it is prideful. That's the big problem. 
And because it is prideful, it is taunted. Because it's so full of itself that there's no room for God to even have any impute. It's so full of itself that there's no room for grace to do any work. And so, yes, the Pharisee might have been a good person, may have had all the good intentions, but the huge problem with that kind of spirituality is that he thinks he's already perfect. He thinks he's already full. And so God is like, okay, so what do you want from me? And so that's a big issue with this presumptuous spirituality. Because it is so full and there's no room for grace, there's no room for God, it is always and usually stunted. The second problem with this type of Pharisee's spirituality is that it is relativist. Relativist in the sense that it's like, okay, I'm not like the rest of humanity. So long as I am, if I am one step ahead of everybody else, I'm cool, God, isn't it? And so his kind of spirituality is horizontalist. It's about comparing myself with everybody else. And so if only I can be a little bit better than everybody else, then I'm good. But that's a problem. Because our yardstick is not everybody else. Our yardstick is absolute. Our yardstick is God himself. And so having that kind of relativist attitude in his relationship with God is a huge problem. Because he now compares himself with the task collector, compares himself with the rest of humanity, and he now goes back and feels good, feels comforted that he is not like the rest of his culture. But the thing is, as Christians, we are not called to be horizontalist. We are not called to be relativist. We are not called to compare ourselves with our culture. We are not called to compare ourselves with our society. We are called to transcend our culture, to transcend our society. And so that's a, a huge problem with this kind of spirituality, the presumptuous spirituality. Another problem with this kind of spirituality is that it is transactional. It's a spirituality that feels like it's a vending machine. I drop my tight, ta-da, ching-ching, give me what I want. I pay my tax, ping-ping, give me what I want. And so God is like a vending system. If I can go up to him and I can tell him all the good things I have done, and I'm like, can I now get my blessings? Can I now get my brownie points? And God is like, uh-huh. Mm, you did it. You, you, you alone, you did it. That's a huge problem. And so now we can begin to understand why Jesus does not want us as Christians to follow that kind of spirituality. Because it is problematic 
on so many levels. The second is what Jesus wants of us. Authentic spirituality. And let's now look at the beautiful things about that kind of spirituality. Number one, it is grounded in humility. And because it is grounded in humility and reverence, it's open. It's malleable. God can set out to do its work in a humble spirit. And that's why the scripture tells us that a humble and a contrite heart, the Lord does not reject. Authentic spirituality, as characterized by the task collector, is a spirituality that is founded on humility and founded on reverence. Second, authentic spirituality is kidotic. It's empty in itself. And that's what we read in the second reading where Paul says, I am now poured out like a libation. An authentic spirit is the one that comes before God and empties out before God. Empty out your strength. Empty out your weaknesses. Empty out your successes. Empty out your failures. Before God. That is one of the great qualities of an authentic spirituality. It is also transparent. In the sense that before God, an authentic spirit does not do face work. An authentic spirit does not do stage work. By stage work, some people will call that dramaturgy, where you have front stage and backstage. The front stage is where you put up the performance. The front stage is where you wear the costumes. The front stage is where you put on the makeup. The backstage is where you remove everything. And you are now before God as you truly are. An authentic spirituality is transparent because God knows you and knows me in and out. Finally, authentic spirituality is grace-driven. Grace-driven in the sense that whether you are a saint is grace. And if you are a sinner and you receive forgiveness, it is grace. And so grace is at the center of our spirituality. And so what that means is that no one can actually strike his or her breast before God and say before God, I am righteous. Because righteousness is a gift of grace. And forgiveness is a gift of grace. 
And when that kind of spirit is truly grace-driven, that is the beginning of joy and healing. That is the beginning of peace in the Holy Ghost. And that's what we are invited to do today. Invited to ask for the grace for an authentic spirituality. Invited for the grace to continue to recognize, recognize that in everything, in everything, God wants us to continue to renew ourselves. And this renewal always operates on two levels, on a micro level and on a macro level. Micro being my relationship with each other. Macro being my attitude in a broader society. And that's the invitation. And so we keep praying that the Lord draws us close to himself and continue to enlighten our hearts, empower our spirits. For we always make our prayers through Christ our Lord. Amen.